Welcome to the NICU Dad Podcast, a podcast for NICU dads by NICU dads. I'm Alex Zavala, a father to two preemie girls, Mia, who was born at 30 weeks, and Emerson, who was born at 27 weeks. Combined, my wife Jen and I both spent over 100 days in the NICU. After my last NICU experience, I started the NICU Dad. I did this to try and fill the gap of information and support that was lacking for NICU dads. Be sure and check out thenicudad.com and hopefully you will find it a useful resource. In this podcast, we will cover many topics that NICU parents face, but from the NICU dad's perspective. Topics such as premature birth, bereavement, PTSD, and many others. These dads who you'll hear share their stories in hope of letting other NICU dads know they are not alone. Welcome to episode one of the NICU Dad podcast. In this episode, I'm interviewed by Hand Hole's very own Kelly Kelly. This was also our very first episode for the NICU Dad Discussions podcast we did. In this episode, I share my NICU story. I hope you enjoy. I am so excited, Alex Zavala, to have you on our first podcast specifically for dads and just so excited to talk to you today and hear your NICU story. Oh, well, thanks for having me. I'm very excited about all of this and just hopefully excited to see what we could do for NICU families, but also mainly NICU dads. Well, those dads are often mm -hmm. overlooked, you know, and uh, I want to share with our audience, if you don't know Alex, Alex is the NICU dad. And uh, as we mentioned in his introduction, has a wonderful blog for dads and is very active in the NICU community in uh, his, his daughter's hospital, but in our community and does a, a lot of work, uh, does a lot of good for our NICU graduate families. But uh, you're, you're not a small little guy, are you, Alex? You're a big guy, got a full beard. I mean, you are a handsome man and, uh, you know, one that you wouldn't think would shed a tear. You just are a tough-looking tough guy with some tattoos going. But as we've discussed, as we've gotten to know each other, it does, all that falls away when you have a traumatic birth and a baby in the NICU. And dads are very vulnerable, but we don't always oh, yeah. talk about it. We just, you know, we kind of, the dad takes on the tough guy role in the NICU because he's got to take care of himself and his wife and the baby, and there's just a lot going on. But I'm so glad that you are going to offer this space for dad discussions, real NICU dad discussions about what it's really like in the NICU. And to start, I, I just really want you to start from the beginning. Tell us how did you become a NICU dad. What do you remember about that day? Well, for us, um, and once again, I mean, thank you guys so much for doing this and just everything you do for the NICU community. So for us, uh, both of both of our daughters are, were born premature. Uh, our oldest, my stepdaughter, uh, was born at 30 weeks, and she weighed three pounds, six ounces. And our youngest was born at 27 weeks, and she weighed two pounds, five ounces. With her, that was my NICU journey, um, and that's really where I became uh, a NICU dad was with our youngest. So with this pregnancy, pregnancy being high risk, as soon as we found out we were pregnant, we were seeing a bunch of doctors. 
Uh, we always joke now about how we had more pictures of our baby before she was even born than after just because we were getting so many sonogram pictures and ultrasounds and stuff like that. Um, just constantly checking up and making sure that she wasn't born early. And we did shots, uh, which was quite an ordeal, uh, if anybody's ever had to do that. Uh, I was having to administer shots to my wife, uh, I think, weekly. And that was a completely, uh, it, it was a giant nightmare uh, within itself, just doing that um, and all the difficulties that come with that. But everything was going okay with the pregnancy. Uh, everything was fine. And about at 27 weeks, we just went into 27 weeks. Uh, they administered a test that they do. At 27 weeks, they do this test, and it tests the proteins um, in the mother. And pretty much, if the test comes back positive, you're likely to deliver uh, within the next two weeks. And we took our test, and it came back negative. It was on a Thursday. Never forget this. Uh, it was on a Thursday. Test came back negative, And the doctor said, hey, you know what? You guys got a two-week window. Uh, go and travel. You know, do whatever you, you need to do to, you know, to take care of. Because after this, next, you know, after this two-week period, um, you know, we're, things are going to be touchy or, you know, we're, we're going to have to be more sensitive to everything. And that was a Thursday. So that Monday morning was the first day of summer for our oldest. We had planned on spending... Our first day of summer swimming and everything, I was going to go to work uh, for a little while. And my wife went to work that morning. We had gone the day before to one of the stores uh, to register for our baby shower. Um, you know, something you do about that time. Going into 27 weeks, it was something we were going to plan for. So the day before that evening, we had spent shopping around, looking at things, and, and registering for our baby shower that we were planning on having, you know, a few weeks down the line. But that next morning, that Monday morning, uh, my wife went to work. I dropped off our oldest uh, at my mom's house, at her grandmother's house. And I went to work also just for a little while. Uh, I was just going to go for an hour or two and then come back, and we were going to spend our first day of summer together. So around 9 a.m., I'm at work probably about 45 minutes from where we live. And around 9 a.m., I get a call. I get a phone call. And it's my wife. Um, and I can't understand anything she's saying. Uh, she's just crying and crying. And um, she finally... Uh, I can finally understand that she's telling me that her water broke. So we're just kind of in shock. Um, you know, she's 27 weeks pregnant. Uh, I'm thinking the worst. Um, she says her water broke. She doesn't know what to do. She's at work. Uh, they're calling an ambulance and the phone goes dead. And her boss calls me back, and her boss is a friend of our, uh, friend of the family. And she tells me that her water broke, they're calling an ambulance, and they're taking her to the hospital. 
and that's all they tell me really so I'm sitting there with this news and like I said I'm I'm thinking the worst 27 weeks I've never at before that I didn't the survival rate that I thought for 27 weeks was zero um, pretty much when she told me her water broke I I thought we lost our baby and so I jump in my truck and that 45 minute ride to the hospital was made in about 10 minutes um, I'm sure other NICU dads uh, have made that car ride and it's like nothing else um, there's a lot still of promises pa- still so painful to talk about you know <laughs> yeah well After yeah all it's, this time you can just hear the pain in your voice and it's, it's like been, you're back there right you're just back there yeah absolutely absolutely every, it plays like a movie in your head yeah you ev- every time every time it's been five years and i'm never going to forget that car ride um there were so many promises there were so many I swear I'm never going to do this again. I swear I'm going to start doing this and just please, please, please. And just begging and pleading, you know, with whether you believe in God or a higher power or any, anything, I mean, you're, you're just holding on to hope on that ride. And, and, you know, it plays like a movie now. It played like a movie then. Um, it was kind of an out of body experience. I mean, everything was just so surreal. Um, just like in the movies, you know, it was the truck pulling in to a screeching halt into a parking lot and a dad running into a, a hospital and starting, you know, just like in the movies, I ran in there and I'm like, where, where's the maternity ward? Where my, my wife, they brought my wife in and in an ambulance and she's having a baby and where, where do I go? Where do I go? And, you know, somebody pointing to me down this hall and running in there and the movie didn't stop the movie didn't stop i ran into the room and i opened that door and it was just another scene from a movie it was my wife on a bed surrounded by a team of doctors and there's her boss and every you know she has this look of fright she was so scared and she's crying and you know, her boss is crying and I'm walking in and we don't know anything. We don't know anything other than the baby, you know, we're just trying to save the baby's life. And the doctors were trying to slow down uh, everything to make sure she didn't go into labor. And, uh, we just kind of look at each other and we're crying and holding hands and, you know, and I'm telling her I'm sorry. And, uh, why were you apologizing? Do you remember? Like, what were you? Yeah, I was just, you know, like nothing had changed for me as far as still thinking that we were, our baby was, was done. Um, you know, and I was just telling her, I'm sorry for all this happening. And, you know, I don't know if it's the months 
before where you're trying, you know, being a high-risk pregnancy, you know, and all the stuff you go through, uh, you know, to have it, to have everything happen like that, um, you know, I don't know if it makes it worse uh, because you were so careful. You were so, you know, you were already stressed. And then, you know, to see it happen like that, I don't know if it was just, you know, I imagine it's probably still the same, but it's still, it was still so hard. And we went and just like everything else. And um, like I said, you know, I'm, I know I'm, we're just another story in this book of NICU families that goes through the same things. Um, before we could even reel or even compose, you know, grasp what was happening. We find out that the baby's breach and they're going to have to do an emergency C-section. And, you know, I'm trying to get information from the doctors and, you know, I'm trying to tell them, you know, like, what, what do you, what do you mean? What's going on? And, um, and just as quickly as, you know, we, here we are, baby's coming and we're taking the mom out and, you know, so this is all happening only in a matter of minutes and they whisk her out and, they tell me, you know, they take me back to go and get scrubbed up for surgery. And I barely have enough time to shoot a couple of text messages to, you know, my parents, you know, her sister, just to let other people know kind of what's going on because nobody knows what's going on. And they take me back. Uh, I get scrubbed in, get my, you know, uh, everything ready for surgery. And there's a lot of alone time for a NICU dad, or at least there was for me. Right. And so you're, it's a very, very lonely, scary place. Um, and it, it's, it's humbling. It's, it's everything. Um, you know, the, the emotions, I, I mean, I guess that's why it's still hard to talk about today. Just because of the different scenarios and situations that you're dealing with are, are things that you wouldn't want to wish you're on your worst enemy. Um, you know, when they take her into surgery, you're not worried for both. And, of course, that's not going to change. That's going to be your next, you know, the rest of your NICU experience is going to be you worrying about more than one person. Um, I had a moment where the doctor was walking by and, you know, he got me ready. And before he left, you know, I'm asking him, pleading with him to just take care of my wife and my baby, just, you know, just to make sure that they both survive. Cause that's what you're going into. You don't know what's going to happen. Um, you know, you don't know if you're going to lose one or both or, you know, or how this is actually going to end. And we get in the C-section, you know, into the operating room and they do the C-section and that, um, we had that experience and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sure like everybody else, they, I'll, I'll never forget them taking my daughter out and saying, you know, Oh, it's a girl. And not hearing anything. Dead silence. 
Um, and that silence seemed to last forever. And it, it was just, it almost, um, was so long where it, it uh, confirmed my suspicions, you know, or confirmed my thoughts just because they, you know, they tell you, Oh, it's a girl. And they take her and just silence. You're, there's no baby crying. And it seemed like that little, however many minutes was a lifetime. Um, and then thank God, um, uh, I hear her cry and I know I hear a lot of other dads talk about that um about how long that that really seems uh before you hear that cry uh sometimes when they take a baby uh out in the c-section and um from there uh it was a team of doctors working on my daughter and seeing how little she was and what she looked like it just, it seemed unreal. And then my focus went back on my wife. Unreal that she could live, just she didn't. Yes. Yeah, and there there was still, there was still, you know, with her being so small and, you know, the whole experience, it was just, she can't be okay. You know, you're, you're just hoping and praying that, you know, let everything be okay, but just let her make it. And you see her and she's so fragile and just so tiny. But then, you know, there's a team of doctors around her and working on her. And uh, then my focus goes to my wife and she was losing a lot of blood. Um, She was really, you know, kind of going in and out of it. and so, I, I mean, my, my, that was my concern next was, you know, is she going to be okay? You know, it was just, it's supposed to be one of the most happiest points of your life, the birth of your child. And I don't want to say it was a nightmare, but it, it's the two mixed together. Right. You know, it, it, it's it's a nightmare that you're in, but at the same time, if everything comes out okay, it's one of the greatest days of your life. Um, so they got they got Jen, my wife, uh, taken care of, and she started doing better. And they they took our daughter Emerson um, back into the NICU, and they took Jen to recovery. And so they asked me to go if I wanted to see my daughter and in the NICU. And I said, absolutely. They had already taken uh, Jen to recovery. So I go back there and I see her. And as crazy as it sounds, I knew immediately she was going to be okay. You could just, she was such a fighter. Um, And you could just see it. You could tell, I could tell. And I I took a picture of our hands touching and that tiny little hand grabbing my finger. Um, her hand was about as big as the tip of my finger and uh, about as big as the nail on your thumb. And 
but I just knew immediately she was going to be okay. Just she had so much fight. And I'm in here taking pictures of her and talking to her and just trying to spend that time with my baby. But then, um, you know, the, the guilt that uh, a lot of NICU dads have um, starts coming in. My wife hasn't even seen our daughter. She doesn't know what she looks like. She doesn't know, you know, anything about her. And, you know, the norm is a baby's born and headed to the mom. You know, that's that's what you see. That's, that's what's supposed to happen. And that doesn't happen for NICU moms uh, a lot of times. Um, so I tried to take a bunch of pictures, and then I, I left her. Uh, as hard as that was, to go see my wife. And, you know, I'm kind of showing her pictures, and she's still trying to come back to normal, you know, uh, after surgery. And that, you know, that's that's the NICU shuffle for for dads. Um, you know, that, I, that's, that started for me of who do I need to be with, where do I need to be, um, and, and what do I do? I mean, it's 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 so hard to describe all the emotions and feelings that happen at at this one time, um, because you're responsible for everybody. You're fine, even though inside you are freaking out and breaking and trying everything you can to hold it together, because you're also talking to doctors. Um, you know, you're trying to be at two places at once and trying to take care of a hundred things all at the same time. And so they told me, because Emerson was so small, um, the NICU there couldn't handle her. Uh, so she had to be transported to another hospital. Oh, that's and, scary. I know so many of our families are in that situation, unfortunately. And then it often means the babies are separated from their moms, right? Yeah, exactly, and exactly. So this NICU shuffle you just talked about becomes, uh, I don't even know the right word, it's more than a shuffle, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely, um, and it's so common, um, especially, for the, especially for those reasons. Um, we... Um, We went and they transported her to Dell Children's Hospital in Austin, uh, which once again was probably about 30, 45 minutes away from where we live. And they asked me if I wanted to follow the ambulance to the hospital. And I couldn't believe it as I was saying it, but when they asked, um, I said maybe. And everything in me was telling me to say yes, but at on the other end, I had my wife in the hospital. And let us not forget, our oldest is still at grandma's house. And I'm barely able to kind of text people to give updates. And so I'm trying to figure out what's going on. And just to give you a time frame on how fast all this happened, that phone call came at 9 a.m. in the morning that Monday. The baby was born around noon (laughs) 
So everything happened just in a matter of three hours or so. Um, and so they, they took her and I, I mean, this is another, another thing about moms and what they deal with. The, they were taking, they were transporting our daughter in a, uh, an ocelot that was ready for transport, which basically is like an incubator that's completely covered. Um, you can't even see the baby in there, just barely. And they wheeled, they were wheeling her out. They stopped her. They, they stopped right by my wife and I, and we snapped, we, we took a picture and that picture, I know we don't think about it a lot, but it's so haunting just of, of the NICU experience in the beginning and what we go through. That was our baby picture. Like that was our first family photo. And that was the only glimpse that my wife had of our daughter and it, it's just, it's so wrong, you know, and unfair for it to be that way for, for NICU families and, and, and moms and dads, you know, you're robbed of so much, but they took her and took her to the hospital. I made sure that everything was set up for my wife and, and what she needed. And I left there, went home the whole time afterwards. I was like, I need a shower. You know, <laughs> I, I need to, you know, figure out what make sure my daughter's or our other daughter's okay. And she has dinner and, and that's, that started the bigger NICU journey and the bigger NICU shuffle of, of dads that have a wife in one hospital, a baby in one. And then you still have siblings and pets and work and everything else in, in, in another area. And it, it's always of where are you going to go? Who needs you the most? And what do you do? And I remember I left the hospital. My wife's sister had come in and, you know, that helped us huge. You know, that was, that was just so huge for us. Um, Cause she got to stay with her while she healed in the hospital. And I ran home packed up our dog and some clothes for my daughter, went to my parents' house, visited with her for maybe an hour or so, made sure she was taken care of. And then I drove to the hospital and I spent the night there and that, you know, and just kind of had that whole experience, which was, uh, it, it was something I'll, I'll, I'll never forget also. I mean, walking in and seeing your baby in the NICU uh, with all the tubes and, and wires and everything uh, all over them. It was, um, it, it was, I don't know, it's indescribable. Uh, <clears throat> the picture I get in my head, I, I am a big guy. Um, I'm probably about six foot, weigh about 300 pounds. And <clears throat> the nurse that was in there, the first time that I saw our daughter, um, She's now a friend of our family and, and everything. Uh, she's part of our family, uh, which most of your NICU staff uh, becomes. But she's a, a, a not. Uh, she's a very small person. Um, she's probably about five foot or so. And I'll I'll never forget this. We joke about it now. But the first time that I walked in, and they, she pulled the cover back. I lost it. Um, 
you know, just seeing how frail and how small and just that whole, that whole image of her with all the wires and, and just, you know, not looking like a normal baby that you see that's delivered. Um, it, it was just, I don't want to use the word, the word horrific, but sometimes it is, um, right. you know, and your baby doesn't look like a normal baby and, and it just, it's so scary. Uh, so scary, but I just and I think I lost and it. I think you're trying to be brave, right? You, you mm-hmm. I think for a- for moms, it's you know I I, I don't want to be sexist in any way, but I think for women and showing our emotions and you know breaking down in sobs, you know, but but I think for dads that's it they feel. I, I don't know, a little more reserved that they can't show. Oh, absolutely. Show I mean, there's, and, and there's, there's a, a, a machismo there that, that we're, you know, not supposed to cry. Um, and I, and I, I tell everybody this. I never cried before this. Before our daughter was born, I was not a crier. Um, you know, and that's how I was brought up. But from that day forward, I mean, especially when I talk about this, then and that's why you get what you get. But you know, seeing her that way, um, and I don't know if it was the, the total of every, all the day's events or so, but I just couldn't compose myself anymore, and I just lost it. And and like I said, here I am, this big guy with this tiny woman just rubbing my back, telling me it's going to be okay. <laughs> and um, Thank God for those nurses. Yeah. You know, they've seen a lot of dads before you, and they, Absolutely. they understand. They really do understand. Yeah. and. So walk me through. So now how long did Jen have to stay in the other hospital before she was discharged? Well, you know, hats off to my wife. Um, She's a very determined woman. Um, They almost let her out and discharged her um, the next day almost. Um, but she, I mean, physically, she just couldn't do it. Uh, she ended up staying in the hospital, I think, uh, for two nights and then was released. But she, she couldn't walk. Uh, you know, she was still healing. But there's no keeping, you know, a mom away from her baby. So uh, luckily and thankfully at, at the hospital that we're at, uh, they had in the NICU, they had these sleep rooms. And we were fortunate enough to to get them uh, pretty much every night for almost a week. Uh, that and that that was just a, an adventure within itself. We would we would go and we would spend the night there and sleep there, and which was great because I was wheeling her around in a wheelchair, and she would pump in there and. It, it, it was just such a great experience, but we would also have to pack up our stuff and see if we were going to get it uh, the next night. But fortunately, like I said, we, we were able to have that for a whole week. And that week, uh, my wife was able to heal. And she got to the point where she could walk around and everything. But, you know, and we had our baby just right down the hall, which, which was huge for us. Our NICU stay with Emerson was for 67 days. And we ran, we ran into a bunch of uh, some of the same issues that other NICU families do. Uh, maternity leave, uh, how are you going to manage that? 
you know, you don't know how long your NICU stay is going to be, but sometimes you have an idea, especially with the preemie. You know you're not getting out, you know, in four weeks or so uh, until that baby gets older and bigger. And so those those are some of the things that we had to is- deal with. Um, we were very set on trying to be as involved as we could be. And so it was very important for us to be there for the doctors, for our daughter, uh, as much as we could in the NICU uh, for rounds and, and things like that. We were just, we were trying to soak up as much information as, as we could. And, you know, that's some advice that I offer to anybody um, in, in the NICU experiences, you know, as much as you can try, you know, to be involved. We, we think it was something that really helped our, our daughter um, and, and, and helped her thrive. But, I, I, I'm a small business owner here in Austin, Texas. And so I was fortunate enough to be able to change my schedule a little bit. And even my wife at work, they kind of changed her schedule also, but you know, she was pumping and and doing things like that. So it was a shuffle and it was a huge shuffle. And so if she was at work, I was there first thing in the morning. Uh, I dropped you know, I'd go check on her daughter or drop her off at my parents' house or um, or what have you, and then I would go straight to the hospital. And my wife would usually go to work, and then she would come, you know, like around 2 in the afternoon. And when she did, I would go to work. And afterwards, when I was done, we'd, I'd come back and meet her, and we'd be there in the, in the NICU for the rest of the afternoon and the evening and then have the grueling task of trying to leave the NICU. Um, you know, every night, but that, that was pretty much life for us, uh, was doing, doing that shuffle and, um, trying to still take care of everything at home also. Well, talk to me a little bit about your feelings during that time. Um, I think, you know, you've gotten your footing there in the NICU, um, and are, I assume knowing you you were taking care of um, Emerson as much as you could as far as you know being involved in her care so talk to me a little bit about what does it feel like being a dad in the NICU it was um, I think the first week definitely the first two days um, are the most important and the hardest for a NICU dad. Um, you know, those first two days, you don't know what's going on. And even even with the NICU dads that I talk to now, it, I, I see it all the time. Um, and that's that was it, the. You almost become a zombie those first two days because you're not sleeping. Um, you know, a lot of times these things, like I said, you know, happen so fast. Our, you know, it was three hours between I got the time I got the phone call and our daughter was born. And just you're trying to take care of everything. You're exhausted, completely exhausted. And then you have the emotions and the stresses of trying to take care of your family, your wife, your baby. I don't think a lot of time we have the time to deal with our emotions. I mean, you just kind of swallow hard and put all that stuff down and you try to just push through and, and physically, I think that might be what we have to do to, to make it through those first two days 
And that first week is, is tough too, because you've done that the first two days and now you have the rest, you know, that it catches up to you by the end of that first week. And, you know, just dealing with the emotions and, and shoving them down, they come back up too. Um, there's a lot of cries in the shower. There's a lot of just breakdowns and, you know, stresses, you know, arguments that you have out of nowhere. Um, but it's every emotion. Uh, I mean, it's, it's so hard to describe and it, it is so traumatic. Um, you know, and that's, that's why a lot of NICU dads deal with PTSD and, and deal with these things just because of that. And I, I really, I think after that first week and second week, a lot of things you kind of, I don't want to say you get your groove, but you just, you're kind of more familiar with everything and kind of also are able to process the emotions and what's happening a little easier than you did because a lot of times we're not dealing with that stuff anymore. So it's foreign to you, you know, I, I'm, I'm not an emotional guy you know, and so the things that I was feeling or, or dealing with that first week were unfamiliar to me, you know, and I'm, you're in such a vulnerable place. And I think like most men, we're not used to being there. Um, I know for me, that that was a real unfamiliar place. And that that was a big deal. Well, what best advice do you have for dads while they're in the NICU? How do, how do you not just survive, but are there tips for actually thriving in the NICU? What, what's your best advice? My best advice? Um, my best advice or, or would be just to kind of, <clears throat> as best as you can, take it day by day. Um, I always tell people now that a NICU journey or NICU stay is a marathon. It's not a sprint. Um, and, and, and in that also, I think you have to face reality. I was in denial and I, maybe most dads get that way too. I was in for the, the, the short term NICU stay. My baby's getting out of here. She's going to, she's going to beat all the odds and we're going to get out of here, you know, as fast as we can. And it it just, at some point reality needs to set in and you need to prepare yourself that you're not leaving there in a couple of days. You know, it's going to be however long it needs to be. And, you know, you need to prepare yourself for that marathon, uh, whether physically, mentally, emotionally, um, everyone is counting on you. And, and, and that, that's a NICU dad. You know, your wife has to heal so she can help take care of the baby. Your family's depending on you. The siblings are, you know, the other siblings are depending on you because you're still dad. You still have to go to work. We still need to pay for these astronomical medical bills that are about to hit you. Your wife needs you to help her and make sure she's taken care of so she can take care of the, you know, help take care of the baby also. And, and you know, it it is what it is, but it's so important that you understand that role and that you do everything that you can to help get yourself ready for that marathon. And I think those type of things and whether, and however it's going to take you to prepare for that. And I think finding somebody to talk to, especially after 
even initially, I think that makes a big difference. And that's what's going to set up, set you up to be a more successful NICU dad, which is going to help your whole family. And I, I think it's so important to talk to somebody. And that goes for even after the NICU. I mean, just because now we're, you know, we're seeing so much. It's so stressful. And the things that we encounter and deal with on a daily basis during that NICU stay, you're going to carry those. You're going to carry those for a long time. I mean, I obviously can't talk about it without crying. And I'm, I'm five years later. And so I, I think another discussion later on is, you know, needs to be about sharing your story and talking to somebody. But the best advice for a NICU stay, I think, is just getting yourself prepared for that marathon, dealing with the reality of, of the situation that you're in and, and knowing that it's not going to short and, and sweet. And, it, and if it is, great. But prepare yourself for that long haul. I think that's great advice. And did you ever seek any professional counseling or uh, reach out to a peer mentor or a friend? How did you cope? I, I didn't. Um, and, you know, I think now being involved in, in what I am and, and doing what I do uh, have my eyes been open onto some of the things that I deal with now. I see the benefits of talking to someone and, and even if not professional, just, just talking to someone. I mean, every time I share my story or talk about this, it feels like a, a weight has been lifted off my shoulders. I, di- I didn't realize it. And you, you get, we get in this, this primal, just, you know, flee or flight mode and, and you go straight to fight. And that's, 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 it's in our DNA. It's in our everything as, you know, a dad, you're the protector and you go straight to fight and you're fighting through this whole NICU journey and you're fighting for your family. You're fighting for yourself. I mean, it's just, it's, it's a primal thing that's inside of us. And so a lot of times you don't, you don't acknowledge what you're going through. You just, you just keep pushing through. And then once you get home and everything gets back to normal and your baby gets better, you never open that back up until, until you're willing to do that and share your story. And that's when it opens. And if not, that, that never gets dealt with. I think that's great. Great advice as well. So talk to me a little bit about what made you start your NICU dad blog? Uh, when, how, long before, how long after your NICU journey did you start that blog? We, uh, it, it took a few years. It really, I started it last year. We basically incubated at home for about a year after our daughter came home. And for us, we were just, we're going to do whatever it takes to not have her ever go back to the hospital. So we, you know, we were germaphobes, everything. During that time, during that course of that year, we started looking at all the organizations that helped us and we saw all the support we got in the NICU. We just wanted to to give back. Our, our NICU staff was just so incredible and they all became a second family for us. I mean, you're in there for 67 days. You're seeing these people every day. They're taking care of your baby. Um, they're sharing all those special moments for us. So we just had such a strong connection that we wanted to give back. So we actually started doing things for our NICU. You know, we would bring up donations. We would have cupcakes for the NICU staff during the holidays. And we just got very involved in our NICU. Through there, we did that, like I said, a year after our daughter had come home. I was asked to host a NICU dads group at the NICU and speak to other NICU dads and, you know, share our stories and, and what have you. But I, I jumped at the chance. 
and uh, I'm like, oh, this is great. Yes, I want to do this. And so I went online and I started looking for information. I, I'm, you know, I started looking at what are we going to talk about? What are, what are some of the things I can discuss with other Nikki dads? And I jumped online and started looking for stuff for Nikki dads, and there was nothing. There was maybe a story here or a story there on on some kind of parenting site or a mom's site or a mom's blog. Nikki dads were just a mention, and there, there really wasn't any information out there. And it just, I couldn't believe it. And so um, I decided, you know what, this is, this has to change. I see the NICU dads when I come up to the NICU. I know they're there. I know what I went through and I, I see it in the face of every man in here that they're going through the same thing. And so that's, I, I started the, the NICU dad.com as a blog. And it just, um, for me, I mean, I don't know if it, it was therapeutic uh, getting my story out there and, seeing some of the things and sharing some of the same uh, experiences that, that other NICU dads are going through also. I'm starting to see a trend. They're starting more information is starting to come out. And I think now even the moms are starting to, to, uh, to kind of see it and share information is the importance of, of, of identifying what NICU dads are going through. I'm, I'm hearing stories now on some of these parenting groups. I mean, and with the help of social media, all the information is getting out there now. But I'm, I'm seeing wives share about how their husbands are having to be uh, admitted into the psych wards at some of these hospitals that they're having NICU stays in. And, you know, just there's such a high prevalence of anxiety already from people. And then having them go into this situation, um, it, it's just I, I'm seeing a lot, a lot of, kind of emotional PTSD, um, just, you know, NICU dads are two times more likely to suffer from PTSD than NICU moms. And it's, I think, us having the discussion and, and getting getting the word out and just trying to get some of these things in front of, you know, Nick, other NICU dads' faces, uh, at least to get them to, you know, identify maybe something they dealt with or just help them and just have a, a, a story to, to have a NICU dad that, that'll – help them and, and, and make it a little bit easier on their NICU stay. Um, that, that's one of the biggest things that, that I hope for this. And I hope that, you know, other NICU dads can see that you're not by yourself. This is what we're, you know, I've gone through it. And, and I've seen that now. And now we're seeing celebrities. Like, you know, we talk about, you see guys like Chris Pratt and, and different uh, other celebrities that, that are, you know, have our NICU dads, you know, have, have shared some of the same experiences. And that, that's what I think we look to to have on here and, and some of the guests too that have dealt, uh, dealt with things and, and some of the people that are, that are trying to do things for the, the Nikki dad community, uh, like Rad White in Australia. Uh, I mean, the guy wrote, wrote a book, Enter the NICU. You know, I, I think right now it's, it's, it's really starting to grow. I, I, I hope agree. we can help more a lot so of people. Than, more so than ever before. We are, you know, we hand to hold, provide support for families in hospitals. And um, hospitals are asking us to develop programs specifically for those dads because yeah. we know how important it is for dads to be integrated into the care of the child. Um, we know how hard that is for them uh, to go back to work, and they're trying to, support, you know, financially support the family. Um, but, you know, long term, we need our families graduating from the NICU united and healthy, emotionally, physically, financially ready 
to take care of their babies long-term because what you and I both know that not all challenges related to being preterm or having a NICU stay end when that baby goes home. Oh, exactly. And oh, yeah. So, you know, the struggle's real. And so um, for us to inform and support uh, dads well beyond the NICU as well. Uh, you know, my husband dealt with a lot of uh, challenges and there was no diagnosis for more than 15 years. And so we... We don't want dads to suffer quietly and alone. We want them to understand there are risks for postpartum depression for dads of newborn healthy babies. So when we look at traumatic birth, it does make sense that our dads would be at risk for uh, anxiety disorders and PTSD uh, following a traumatic birth and, and or loss of a baby. I had an interesting discussion today with uh, a dad whose um, wife unfortunately um, committed suicide um, from after suffering with postpartum depression, and he was talking about having wish he understood uh, signs and symptoms and what to look for and how to have helped. So, you know, we'll talk about some of those things too. How do we Absolutely. support, how do dads support moms? How do they support moms <laughs> through uh, breastfeeding or not breastfeeding. Yeah, absolutely. You, you, <laughs> right? There's you a took lot the of words right out of my mouth. <laughs> right. Yeah, you took, you took uh, that's exactly what was going in my head was supporting and feeding. I mean, and all those things are so important. Um, yeah, it's, it's, there's so much out there. Well, I think we've tapped into something exciting, and hopefully our listeners will think so too. And uh, I very much look forward to working with you in the coming months and years of uh, producing a really informative but supportive podcast series. So thank you, Alex Zavala, for um, being so open with your emotions, being willing to share your story, and being willing to step up and give back uh, to those that are now walking in your shoes. You are a great man, an amazing dad, and we are just delighted to be partnering with you. So with that, thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. Once again, please take a look at the NICUdad.com. We continue to grow the list of resources we are bringing NICU dads. To my fellow NICU dads, good luck, and remember, you are not alone.